Welcome to Main Menu for September 28, 2012 to October 4, 2012. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are glad to have you with us here on Main Menu, whether you're a returning listener or this is your first time to listen to Main Menu. We are very happy to have you with us here and hope you get a lot of valuable information out of the show and you'll continue to come back and be with us here. This week on Main Menu, we have two features for you. The first, I interview Jim Fruchterman and a couple of members of his staff about the Bookshare 10th anniversary. And we talk about not only the anniversary, but what's going on at Bookshare, what's going to be going on in the next few months, and what's gone on at Bookshare for the last 10 years a little bit. That's followed by Mary Emerson, and Mary's going to come in and talk to us about and review the new Bookport desktop player from American Printing House for the Blind. You have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week on Main Menu. I am very pleased to have with me today on Main Menu, Mr. Jim Fruchterman. Jim and I have known each other for a year or two. We're both very young, so we don't want to tell you when we first met. But I think, it, Jim, it was about three months before the first uh, release of Arkenstone. Wow. Back, back in the days when we were figuring it out. Back, yeah, back in those days. Uh, we knew each other off and on and had contact off and on for several years since then. And Jim is the CEO and founder of Benetech. And those of you who have not necessarily heard the term or the company Benetech will know that uh, Benetech is the people who uh, have the service that most people do know or have at least heard the name Bookshare. And so, Jim, I am very happy to have you and a couple of your other folks with you today. And thank you and welcome to Main Menu. And I'll start out by saying happy 10th anniversary to Bookshare. Well, thank you very much, David. Um, we're we're really excited. It seems amazing that, that Bookshare is 10 years old and that Benetech and Arkenstone date back, oh, over 20 years. Uh, and it's all, you know, our core mission has been the same all along, to give people with disabilities, especially visually impaired people, independent access to the information they need for education, employment, and full inclusion in society. And we think Bookshare is the latest expression of that mission. And we think that we're actually solving now, finally, most of the problem for people with disabilities. So we're we're excited about that, and I'd love to tell you a little bit more about sort of not only where Bookshare has been, but all the cool things that Bookshare is doing today. Well, the, you certainly are doing a lot of cool things, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. Uh, we wanted to talk about the 10th anniversary and congratulate you on that and hear about all the things that have been going on and the things that are going on now. <laughs> okay. Well, great. Well, I, mean, I think when Benetech tackles a project, 
Our goal is to revolutionize the field that we enter. We want to make things 10 times better if we can do that. And so with our background making the Arkenstone reading machines, where we sold you know, more than 40,000 reading machines during the 1990s, so that people with visual impairments could scan their own books, basically independent access to books. If the traditional libraries for the blind weren't providing you with the books you needed, you could do it yourself. And the key breakthrough from a bookshare standpoint was rather than having a traditional library where professional librarians decide how to spend a very limited budget on, you know, a thousand books a year or something like that, we said, we're going to put blind people in charge of actually building the library. So this is essentially a, what now is called a crowdsourced approach or a peer-to-peer kind of approach. But we said, because of our technology model, whatever book a blind person or a family member or a teacher scanned was if they thought it was worth scanning we thought it was worth sharing with the entire rest of the community and of course we do that through a copyright exception that makes what we do legal but it was essentially the first library for blind people built by blind people for each other and our role wasn't so much as solving the problem it was creating a technology that allowed the community to solve the problem for itself and that really that value system of putting the user at the center and putting them at charge is what we've gone along with with Bookshare ever since. And, you know, Bookshare is updated every month. There's a new release of Bookshare every month, sometimes more than once a month, (laughs) every three weeks. And we're listening carefully to what our users are demanding and making changes. And I think one of the things I'm really excited about is telling people all the things that are true about Bookshare today that say weren't true five years ago or 10 years ago. And so some of the milestones that we had is that we started off with a focus on recreational reading for blind people where blind people were contributing the books that they had scanned. And that continues to be a major source of books for us. But what's happened over time is that we've increased our quality and we've done that a couple different ways. I think originally when we started Bookshare, it was about getting breadth. Let's get as many books in here as fast as we can. And of course, we very quickly became the largest online library for blind people. But as time went on, we moved into some new areas. We actually had avoided education because the publishing industry didn't want us working on textbooks when we started Bookshare, and they were very concerned about that. But after the first few years of Bookshare, we said, you know, we keep hearing from students and from teachers and parents that getting access to educational materials, textbooks, is the most important problem that they're facing and that they hope that Benetech would, would take Bookshare in that direction. So we went back to the publishers and said, we want to get started on education. And after a couple of years of tackling the problem of education, we had an amazing opportunity come to us from the Federal Department of Education, where that year the traditional earmark that had been made to recording for the blind and dyslexic didn't get made, and the department decided to essentially challenge both organizations. They competed us head-to-head, and they set the bar really high. And so just about five years ago, we won a big contract to provide bookshare services to all students with print disabilities in the United States for free. And we made some really extravagant promises in that proposal. We said we would go from serving two or 3,000 students to 100,000 students. We said we'd add 100,000 educational books to Bookshare. We said we would do the assistive technology for free that went with that. And I mean, and we, we said a lot of other things too. We actually, it's now five years on, we're serving more than 200,000 students. We've added the 100,000 books. We've had more than 3 million downloads for Bookshare during that time period. It's been really amazing. We exceeded all those expectations. And the latest newsflash in the last month is that the Department of Education ran that competition again. And and basically, Bookshare won the competition again. And so Bookshare is going to be free 
for all students with print disabilities through the next five years, starting October 1 of, of 2012. So we're going to be providing Bookshare for free through 2017 to all the students that need this. Now, that doesn't mean that we've forgotten our roots, serving essentially adults with print disabilities, people who are interested in leisure reading, people who are employed, who want to be, get jobs, that want information that's relevant to their jobs. And in essence, they get, for the same price it's always been, they get to build on the back of this gigantic investment the Department of Education has made. Investment in technology, investment in assistive technology, investment in our content. And now there are more than 150,000 books in Bookshare. And every month we add between two and 3,000 new books on the average. And the amazing thing is three quarters of those books are coming from the publishers voluntarily, usually with international rights which lays the stage for international expansion of Bookshare, which I'm sure we'll come back to later. But, but to, a, to, a, to a blind adult, I think that if someone says to you, you ought to read this book, I think the odds if you go to Bookshare today, better than 90% that we have that book. And as a matter of fact, not only do we have that book, but we have it in essentially publisher quality, beautiful content because the publisher is sending us a high quality digital copy of that book the same time they send it to Amazon or to Apple for the iPad or Barnes & Noble for the Nook or one of the other platforms. And so now we actually have the majority of content that blind people might want to have on a library that's dirt cheap, effectively. You know, it's, it's $75 the first year and $50 a year thereafter in the United States, and it's cheaper in the developing world. And where you can grab that book and then you can do whatever you need to do with it to make it accessible. And I think this is the area that has especially been exciting the last couple of years. As we have just, we, we sat back and we said, what's keeping people from fully benefiting from Bookshare? And we thought, we have to systematically find ways to reduce the barriers to using our books. And so that means we've introduced new assistive technology working on mobile platforms, where um, we've introduced new download formats that I'm sure Ginny is going to tell us more about. And there is more stuff in the pipeline that will blow the mind of our, of our users. And it's all about whatever's in your pocket, whatever's on your desktop, whatever's on your bedside stand. We want Bookshare books to be available there in the format that you prefer, whether it's Braille, text-to-speech audio, large print. We want it all to work for you so that access to books, access to newspapers, periodicals, is no longer a barrier. Blind people have plenty to deal with in terms of accessibility in the world. We think that accessing information that's essentially digital, that that digital content should be born accessibly and that should be available to people either for Bookshare and our dream actually is to change the publishing industry so it's available on every other single platform that everybody else is getting their eBooks on. And I think we're making some headway on that as well. So I think it's a pretty comprehensive description of, of, of what we're aspiring to. And I would love to expand on any of those points that you want to hear more about. Well, I think one of the things that uh, just recently really impressed me, and I've been pretty impressed for book with Bookshare for many years, but in the field that I'm in, in the assisted technology field and technology field, um, and, and particularly, uh, over the years, uh, you know, when when you change operating systems, for example, it'd take forever to get any of the information about those systems in an accessible format that people like me could read. Uh, and, you know, here just a couple of weeks ago when uh, the new Mountain Lion operating system came out for the Apple, I had seen some emails from people on Monday about they had went and tried to buy a certain book uh, that was coming out about Mountain Lion. Mountain Lion came out on Wednesday, and Friday afternoon, Bookshare had it available already. Mm -hmm. 
And that's and that's because we've had these incredible publisher partnerships. And the very first publisher who worked with us is O'Reilly Media, which is one of the top technical book publishers. And Tim O'Reilly, who's, you know, the guy who coined the term open source and web 2.0 and is a real thought leader in the entire Silicon Valley tech community. When I talked to him, he said, you know, I have a halftime person supplying our books to any blind person who asks us for it. And you mean I could just give you all my books and you'd do it all and a lot more blind people would get the benefit of them and I would save the money I'm spending on that halftime person? And I said, yeah. And so it took a few other years for other publishers to sign up, but I think the tech industry, above all else, they love to see technology used to actually help people. That's kind of why they want to be techies. Right. And so we give them a way of seeing that happen even when their company tells them it doesn't make money. Often we can find a way to make it possible. And so and that, you know, that means we're cooperating with, you know, Google and Apple, and it means we're cooperating with the major publishers and I mean the list goes on. Every single assistive technology vendor that wants to support Bookshare Books, we have extensive technology tools that they can use to build essentially access to Bookshare right into their product. I know that's something that Mario drives here um, to make sure that whatever assistive technology you choose to use, we want to make sure that if it's dealing with text, Bookshare Books are in there and available to you in your preferred format, in your preferred tool. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it's pretty neat to, to be able to tell somebody, oh, you want the information on Windows 7? Well, the best place to get it is the, for accessible media is Bookshare. And that's pretty neat. And oh, you want it in? You want it in your pocket? Well, how about an eye touch? <laughs> that's pretty neat. That's great. So, um, so maybe what I'll do is um, I'll ask Ginny Grant, who's the, the the product manager for Bookshare, to tell us a little bit more about some of these new formats that we're dealing with, because I think that's a real that's a real breakthrough. And it's in many cases it's answering requests that we've had from blind users from Bookshare for years, and now we're doing it. And I hope that people find out that because I know there's a lot of people who listen to this program who don't know that Bookshare is doing these things that they may have been asking us for for a little while. And and Ginny and the engineers that she works with help make that happen. So Ginny, take take it away on some of the new format. Thank you, Jim. Uh, so in, indeed, we have gone far beyond um, uh, the refreshable Braille and Daisy text that we that we built our, our library around. Um, just this past spring, we've uh, started to deliver uh, audio formats as well. So picture having, if you don't want to have uh, your, your full um, accessible technology device with you, you just want to have a simple um, MP3 device or your the computer that you're sitting on uh, at, at a friend's house to be able to listen to uh, your books. We now offer MP3 format. It's a very simple uh, download process. We've also added to it so that you can um, we can get all the navigational elements that Daisy provides. So going through chapter section, all of those um, wonderful um, navigational choices that, that we've come to know and love. Um, those that format is available now. You can listen to those on NLS players as well, which is a great boon for many of your listeners. Um, one of the other things that we wanted to do was to make sure that um, that because these format lists keep expanding. <laughs> The user interface was just getting getting too complicated. So what we've done is we've most recently uh, introduced a new uh, download user interface a couple of iterations ago, uh, where you have a download list, and in in particular, you can set your your download format preferences. Whether you want grade one or grade two of Braille, if you want to have MP3s or Daisy Audio as your preferences. So by setting that up in your account. From the very first time that you go and download, it's a one option to have that book ready and going for you. Some of these newer um, 
formats like DAISY with images, MP3s, and uh, DAISY audio take a little bit longer to download. To actually, they have to be packaged and converted first. So unlike the original two, the BRF and the uh, DAISY text, they go into a queue. So depending upon how many other people are requesting books at the time, they may take a few minutes or a few hours. So um, in addition to receiving your email about those formats, we have a new feature called um, the My History page, which can always find the current status of any book that you've downloaded. Back 10 years ago, David, as I found you have a very long history of books. <laughs> so what's <laughs> neat about that is that you could go back to 2002 when you first started to download books and re-download one of those books. If you were curious, about what, what was I reading back then? You could always go back and do that. It might have to repackage uh, so that you have the latest version of it. I'm not sure I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we won't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> <Sorry>. privacy. <laughs> it is Commitment. a privacy thing. But, I know that you have downloaded records back then. That's what we do have. Uh, uh, but um, so what's neat about it is that you can always see if there's um, a book that you've recently requested. Maybe it's most recently become uh, available or it's still in progress. And you just come back right to that page from where you're always going to be able to organize and uh, grab your, your download again. Yeah. And I think, I think what's amazing is people don't understand that Daisy comes in all these flavors. And um, and so we have some users who are confused that, you know, we've always had Daisy text, which basically I think is, is like a word processor file. You know, it's it's basically text and your your Braille display can easily you know turn it into refreshable Braille or you can print it up. But you know, as time has gone on, we had, you know, we added images so that you can actually uh, let's say have the images for a textbook. So maybe you read the text and maybe you get help from a reader to describe the graphics in your math book or something like that, to where now we have these different flavors of the audio files, which is, you know, Daisy with, with essentially audio under the hood that has the navigation, or just straight MP3 that can get on. Because we, one of the things we found out is that a lot of our users, um, you know, especially our student users, don't have PCs at home, and yet they do have MP3 players. So we were dreaming about that kid who doesn't have a PC or a Mac at home, but you know, goes to the lab at school and then gets the books they need to read for school on a $20 MP3 player, which they can afford. And that way they've not been denied access to essentially books on while they're being mobile, right? I mean, that's the way most people consume books, whether they're sighted or blind, they're, as they're moving around. We want to make sure to support that, that new model of, you know, allowing people to have the same range of options they do. But as as, as Ginny explained, um, rather than giving you, you know, 17 flavors for every book, you know, you could say, I always, you know, I almost always want it this way. That's my default. But if I wanted this other flavor, then I can go and ask for it. Well, while we're on this, the topic of, of uh, different file formats and so forth, one of the things that's, that's kind of interested me uh, particularly is um, – and I'm sure you folks know a whole lot more about this than I do. Um, but we're, I'm hearing that people say that, by, oh, by the end of this year, I believe it is, that actually DAISY and EPUB are going to be, basically, DAISY is a part of EPUB. And I'm wondering where we stand as far as uh, the time when uh, Bookshare books, uh, you know, you, you go and get the EPUB version and you can play it on about any EPUB uh, reader that's out there. Well, it's something, I mean, I, I think as people have known, EPUB and DAISY have been close cousins for years. 
And of course, the fabulous George Kersher is simultaneously the head of the DAISY consortium and the head of the board of the people who do the EPUB standard, which is the main commercial electronic book standard. And let's just say George, in this position of responsibility, has made some things happen, which is really the dream of universal design. And in essence, the investment that DAISY libraries like now they're called Learning Ally, Bookshare, NLS, some of the European libraries have made in making DAISY such a great format for ebooks. Basically, EPUB 3 is the rest of the commercial world catching up with what we've had. And so um, right now, um, we're doing a lot around EPUB. And I would, uh, certainly most of the publishers supplied books that we get come to us in EPUB and we turn to DAISY 3. But we are actually beginning to do a conversion to EPUB 3, which is the new married form mm -hmm. of DAISY and, and EPUB. And in fact, we are beta testing that with a number of our users, our members right now um, on a variety of reader devices. Yeah, so we're, we're right there on that one. I just kind of wondered if you were or getting very close to it. So that's that's why I asked the question. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it's it's pretty neat, and uh, I'm thinking from what I'm hearing, it's going to make the ability to get to about anywhere you want in the text and read it about any way you want to read it uh, even more possible than it's ever been. Yeah, and I think that um, I think we touched on these different roles and the different kinds of users, the different kinds of supports. And I think that I'd like to introduce Mario Oliveros, who's our senior marketing manager for Bookshare, and to tell you a little bit about those programs that we have. You know, beyond helping the adult blind person, there are a lot of people, a lot of players in this field that you know have getting accessible information to people as part of their mission, and we want to support them as well. And People outside the US too. And I think uh, one thing that a lot of people maybe don't realize and I'm, uh, is that you cover a whole lot more than just blind. It would be, I think, all people with reading disabilities. That's, that's correct. Um, so Bookshare serves uh, anyone who qualifies with a print disability that falls into visual impairments. You may be blind or low vision, uh, individuals with physical disabilities or severe learning disabilities that really make reading traditional print books either very, very difficult or impossible. So our mission is to help all those people. And we've been talking about um, uh, students and adults in the U.S., but that also covers um, many people around the world. And we're, Bookshare is available, and we have members in over 40 countries. Um, our books also come in many different languages, uh, from Spanish, French, and German, to Hindi, Tamil, Afrikaans. And one of the more uh, recent and really exciting things that we've announced is um, the addition now of books in Arabic. So if you can imagine all of these uh, print disabled people uh, in the Arabic speaking and reading world now have access to, to content through Bookshare. And so that was a really huge breakthrough. And uh, we worked with a really great partner called the Mata Center in Qatar. And, um, you know, our goal is just really to uh, expand the universe uh, of accessible books to the people who need them. Well, that's fantastic. And so um, I'm guessing that uh, that requires a lot, probably a lot more uh, technical um, uh, equipment and software and so forth. And, I, and I'm trying to wonder how much staff you must have and technical staff it takes to take care of something like that. Well, Benetech has the benefit of a terrific technical staff. And, and of course, we get to draw on sort of Silicon Valley's expertise, both by hiring people out of Silicon Valley, but also we often, if we need help, 
we can ask for help from just about any high tech company and they will say, you know, oh, we would love to help you. Here's how, here's what you need to know. And believe me, uh, learning how to digitize Arabic books, um, that did take some technical challenges. But even if you, if, even if you do imagine that these things are hard to do, actually, it's a lot like doing things in English or Spanish or other European languages. There are voice synthesizers in Arabic. There's an Arabic Braille code. Uh, and the same goes for Hindi and Tamil and these other languages. And, you know, our long-term dream is that every single person with a print disability on the planet gets the information that they need no matter what language they speak. And so um, one of my personal advocacy efforts is that I've worked quite closely with the World Blind Union on the draft of a global treaty to basically replicate the kind of copyright exception we have here in the United States that made Bookshare possible in the first place. And also the treaty not only says that should be a global norm, that every country should have a copyright exception like that, but also allow for import and export between organizations like Bookshare. And so since we have the largest online library for people with print disabilities in the world, there's a huge number of people around the world who would love to see that. And just like Bookshare helped empower basically blind people to help each other, we want to make this possible all over the world. We're not going to be doing data entry in Indian languages here in the United States. We want to empower people in India who care about people with print disabilities, people who are print disabled, to actually be able to create their own library just as we did here in the U.S. 10 years ago. And so it's it's really quite exciting. And uh, and so we, we hope that this, this treaty gets passed and that that will enable us to happen. And in the meanwhile, of the let's say 150,000 plus books that are in Bookshare, about half of them have permissions from publishers to provide them in some other country. So, and it varies by country, whether I think in Australia and New Zealand, I think it's in sort of the 40,000 range, um, you know, in, in Africa, it's probably over 50,000. And there are countries where I think like, it's a Canada, that's like, like over 70,000. So, you know, it used to be that, that blind people around the world, people with print disabilities would come to Bookshare and they would get frustrated with, boy, those Americans have got all of this and we don't have any of this. And now right. I think something that people don't really know is that Bookshare is available. And, and you know, in, in a place like India, we charge the equivalent of less than $10 a year to be a member of Bookshare. And mm -hmm. we're actually starting now to do, I think, fundraising campaigns to fund the extension of Bookshare into these other countries. Because, you know, the U.S. government, the U.S. disability community have made such a big investment in Bookshare it actually costs very little extra money to see that actually benefits the rest of the world. So I think I'm really excited about that because I think that that fulfills more of the vision of where Bookshare could really go, not just solving the problem for Americans, but for people worldwide. Okay, good. Uh, and it sounds really exciting. I had heard something about the fundraising and uh, things that were going on and it sounds really exciting. Uh, one of the things I was wondering, if a, if a person is in another country, for example, <clears throat> Uh, how do they know what books are available for them? Well, we have an advanced search function on the main Bookshare site. Okay. And one of the options is which books to search. And so one of those options is books available worldwide. And that, so those books are definitely available in every single country in, in the world. Um, but when you actually sign up for Bookshare, and we know what country you're from, then your searches will actually display the books that you can download. And so, so basically, an initial pass is see what books are available worldwide. And you know, there's tons of New York Times bestsellers on that list, and literature, and and and, and a lot of educational books. Um, I, we have I don't know more than 20 university presses that have partnered with us. Lots of other educational publishers. So there's an awful lot of content up there that's available worldwide. But but what we suggest people do is is sign up for Bookshare and uh, and try it out. 
And Jim may have mentioned this, that worldwide we have over 65,000 books available. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge collection uh, available worldwide. Now, I know you, you serve in a lot of different countries now, and uh, there are other people that you serve too or other groups, uh, for example, uh, education uh, and educators and students. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bookshare uh, obviously serves a lot of students, and the way we try to make that available uh, is through our two different membership types. So uh, we have organizational memberships, which are basically group accounts where an educator at a school, someone like a teacher for the visually impaired or a special education teacher, creates an account for the entire school, or it might be a district. And they uh, create a roster of qualified students who can get access to Bookshare. And so in that, in that account, in that type of membership, it's the educator who is accessing, finding, and downloading the books on behalf of their students. And what they'll often do is pass it on to the student uh, via a CD or flash drive uh, so that the student can uh, either read that at school or at home. But in addition to that, one thing that we really want to promote is uh, learning and what well, study, reading, studying, and learning outside of the classroom. So we also have an individual membership uh, where that student can also have their own username and password. Uh, and the, the real big benefits of that are you can go home and independently find and download your own books. Uh, you can also install our free reading tools, which, uh, you know, is a huge benefit uh, for, uh, you know, a family on a limited budget. Uh, they can install that on their home computer, download and read. Um, and, and just in general, it's about independence and, you know, building uh, lifelong uh, readers. And th this is how we uh, try to sort of structurally enable that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, something that a parent of a visually impaired kid should know or a print disabled kid is that they can just sign up, get a free membership, and essentially that's like having your own library card to bookshare. And so we think that's that's really what independence is about. And especially as, as students are in high school and are getting ready for the transition to college, where really the responsibility for getting accommodated text is going to fall on the student rather than on their parents or their teachers, though they can they can ask for help from the DSS office at their college. But we want to make sure that more and more people have that kind of independent access. But, you know, a transcriber who wants to make a, a Braille book for a student can go ahead and download a book for free for that student and then produce a hard copy Braille. And of course, boy, I think the future of Braille is digital. Uh, I think that, that Bookshare is, I mean, our, our most excited users, our most avid users, our most active users are people with Braille note takers and Braille displays. You know, the, the day someone came and, and shook their two pound Braille display at me and said, there are 2,000 books in here. I'm never going to be able to read them all. That's quality. <laughs> and, and when I start seeing, like we are seeing now, um, Braille displays, that, yeah, they may not have necessarily as many cells as this may be a person would always like, but the prices now that, we you know, two years ago, we, who would have dreamed you could buy a Braille display for under $1,500? Uh, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's it's pretty amazing when when actually, you know, that there, I'm thinking of one in particular that, for around fifteen hundred dollars, you can have a, a a display that you could actually put the the a braille uh, file from Bookshare directly on it and read it right there. It's pretty amazing. You wouldn't have done that a year ago, not even close. And I think I think it's it's kind of amazing to think that we have solved most of the text access problem that people are running into. In other words, if if there's a book on the New York Times bestseller list, it's in Bookshare. 
Uh, if it's been on the New York Times bestseller list in the last five years, it's in Bookshare, right? People can download that. If it's a, you know, and and now that we're at 150,000 titles, I mean, even if you are interested in, you know, an obscure mystery writer, the odds that we have some of her titles are are actually quite high. And and of course, there's always the possibility if you see a book that should be in Bookshare that isn't, you know, get your OCR device, scan it, and add it to Bookshare, and then everybody else, the, our 200,000 plus users, are now going to have, you know, have that title accessible. And so we always have that sort of empowerment fallback of if there's anything we're missing, you know, you can add it. And of course, if you ever find a Bookshare book that's not of the highest quality, complain to it. You complain to us and fix it. Every single Bookshare page that talks about a specific book has a link for telling us there's a problem with it so that we go and fix it. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I had a question about, um, uh, a lot of professionals like myself, um, sometimes there's something new. Let's just say uh, something uh, in the networking field, uh, computer networking, or uh, let's say a cloud technology. And uh, we see a, a, a textbook that uh, maybe it's a college textbook and, and we try to download it and it says, oh, no, no, you can't have that. It's because it's uh, in some special category. Is there ways that a person could get access to those um, you know, this is this is something where where our, our hands are legally tied, and so out of our 150,000 books, about 3,000 of them come from the National Instructional Materials Accessibility Center, and these books are supposed to be exclusively K-12 textbooks. So, I actually, would not expect a college-level technical title to be in this class. So, it's it's just what we call the NIMAC books. And in the law that created the NIMAC, it pretty much said that the only students who can get this are K-12 students who have an IEP and, and qualify under the copyright law. Okay. Which, which, by the way, I don't think they had any idea about some of the really stupid implications of passing the law this way. But, you know, if you're a high school blind student who's academically excelling and you don't have an IEP because you don't need essentially remedial programming... You can't get your textbook that came from the NIMAC. And so one of the weird things that we've had to do for some of these students is actually go back and scan that book from hard copy again and have two copies in Bookshare, one from the NIMAC for students who have IEPs and the other available to any Bookshare member. And so in the people who get cut out are not only adult, but I mean, we have blind parents who say, you know, I want to read my kid's textbook. We have to say, er, you got locked out. So, right. you know, so so we've told congressional staff about this and that, and fixing this problem is actually on a short list of things that we'd like to see fixed in the next version of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act idea. But um, uh, given the state of things in Washington, I wouldn't hold my breath for having that thing fixed. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but other than those 3,009 books, all of our books are available, you know, I'd, I'd say just about all of our books are available to Americans. Um, I, I hope that in some other countries that pass copyright exceptions, India being an example of a country that just passed the copyright exception, that like the books that we scan domestically in the U.S., which because it's under this domestic copyright are only available in the U.S. because we don't have the permission, um, that we actually might have some of those books. But but right now, there's I don't think there's any books that fall in that class. Other than NIMAC books, you as a, as a blind American should have access to everything in Bookshare. I think the only time I actually ran into it was maybe about a year ago, and I was looking at this one book on... Uh, uh, Microsoft Office 2010, and it was it was a textbook, and uh, 
I don't know whether it was uh, because of what it is, an instructor edition or whatever, but for some reason it was restricted, and I was really kind of surprised. But um, <clears throat> We'll dig into that one. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Other things that we're we're doing, I mean, um, I'll tell you a couple more things that we're doing, and then a couple of futures kind of things. So. Well, I was going to say. So, what do you see in the future? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, I think the, the the one thing that I want to kind of you know just mention is um, how incredibly successful our Read to Go iOS application has been. Um, it was the number one demand from our users. And the really cool thing about Read2Go, you know, and it works on an iPod Touch, it works on an iPhone, it works on an iPad, is that it kind of cuts out most of the barriers to downloading books, right? Mm-hmm. So you pretty much say, I want this book. And, you know, 20 seconds later, it's there and you haven't had to jump through hoops. You haven't had to enter decryption passwords, which, by the way, we've gotten rid of separate um, decryption passwords, which is something that annoyed a lot of our users that we decided wasn't really adding much in the way of security. So um, and and we're in terms of the future, I mean, we're committed to develop a lot more free assistive technology. So not only um, things like the Victor Reader software that, that, that's been there and the Don Johnson um, you know, read out loud kind of kind of software. Um, we have a free uh, Android app that we've come up with, um, Go Read, and that's available for download now. And and it's particularly well designed, I think, for people with visual impairment. And we're just we're continuing to plug away at that. And so as we look sort of to the future, um, you know, I think what you're going to see is sort of two things. One is Bookshare is going to keep growing our collection at a rapid rate, and we're going to keep pushing technology out to more parts of the world, to more different kinds of platforms, making things work more smoothly all the time. We're also going to tackle this issue of images in books, uh, starting with textbooks. As we've nailed the text problem and you get the text of the ebooks, um, when publishers give us the books, they give us the pictures too. And, you know, the pictures are nice in a novel, but often they're indispensable in a textbook, in a technical work. There's often essential content that is buried in those pictures. And so um, we set up something called the Diagram Center. Um, It's funded by the Department of Education. And basically, it's our partnership with the entire field of people who care about accessibility of images. So people like the National Center on Accessible Media, NCAM, uh, Larry Goldberg at WGBH. Uh, George Kirscher is a co-principal investigator from the DAISY Consortium, and he also works for Learning Ally. Um, We have major publishers involved in this. We have all the leaders who care about math and science accessibility. And our mission is to reduce the cost of making an image accessible by a factor of at least 10. And so, and and that's the kind of breakthrough that Benetech is always looking for. We think the area of image accessibility is there, whether it's making, you know, tactile graphics available and making those accessible, whether it's it's making the, uh, let's say, image descriptions of the images available so that people have a choice of kind of how they make a non-accessible image accessible. But I think that's an essential piece. And then the other thing that, that we dream of, and, and Betsy Bowman, who's, who's the general manager who runs basically Bookshare uh, for Benetech, her vision is to kind of almost work Benetech out of being in the business of being the primary source of books to people with print disabilities. What we would like is that every book that is sold on an iPad, sold on a Kindle, sold on a Nook, sold on any other device, all of those that everyone else is buying through mainstream channels, that they all come fully accessible. We would like people with disabilities to get their books the same way everybody else gets their book. And then People like Bookshare, instead of being the primary source of accessible books for so many of our users, will become like a regular library, you know, a place where people who aren't rich enough to buy every book they could desire come to get the books, Mm -hmm. a place where the person who needs to look at 10 books because they're researching something and don't want to buy all 10 books can actually come 
and place where we can keep working on those things that the market isn't going to solve, like making graphics accessible, making tactile graphics, supporting Braille, you know, using the limited resources available to this field for maximum result. And I really do think that, and Betsy puts it this way, everything that is born digital should be born accessible. If we can realize that vision, then we'll have gone way beyond what even Benetech and Bookshare can do. We've made it available to everybody on the planet who might benefit from an accessible book. And that's an awful lot more than the one or 2% of people who qualify for Bookshare services under the copyright exception. And I think you're headed, definitely headed in the right direction and certainly getting there. And I, and, and when you started talking about the description, I, I know I saw some messages in some emails just recently about, uh, I believe you're beta testing or doing some uh, beta testing or description, more description or something like that? Uh, yes, we are. So we have volunteers who are regularly helping out with the um, the project to bring more of these images, uh, descriptions to life, especially in our um, science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics texts, so that um, the, our students are going to have uh, a much richer um, experience with them. Uh, and we, yeah. have, we actually have a couple of Silicon Valley um uh, partners in in uh, crime here, um, Cisco and Google, just to name a couple, have been helping by providing these just fabulous, just, just name, little companies huh? <laughs> to name drop. We've got they've got amazing engineers, and they have been helping with uh, describing a lot of the math um, equations, physics equations. Um, so fabulous subject matter expertise going into these, as well as laymen who also are very helpful in being able to describe images for our um, for our users. And not only that, but we brought um, a technical problem we had to what's called a hackathon where a bunch of developers over a weekend try to solve a problem and we said yeah here's some problems that if you could solve them it would really help us and one of the big problems we have in math books is telling the difference between an equation and essentially a graph a picture and if it's an equation we want to turn it into what's called the math markup language which can be automatically turned into things like nemeth and 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 description and like or do you need a human being to actually describe the graphic? And over a weekend, a team of three developers, including two from Google, who are like you know, the experts in image analysis on the web, uh, came up with something that was more than 95% accurate in actually figuring out whether something was a math equation or some kind of graphic that needed human intervention. So, I mean, this is the sort of thing where if we can actually articulate the problem, the tech community is like, oh, we could do that. Well, yeah, yeah. And and what we promise them if they do it, that it'll actually show up and start helping students with disabilities, you know, in the next couple of months. That's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. So um, it, uh, you know, what, what, what became really clear to me once I got involved with the assistive technology was here was a place where the creativity of Silicon Valley could be applied but you know, the reason I started um, Benetech, the reason I started Arkenstone is because my venture capital investors vetoed us making that product for good business reasons, but sort of bad social reasons. And and so what I kind of fantasized was that we could have a break-even nonprofit that would actually sell reading machines. And you know, we not only did that with Arkenstone, and then we sold Arkenstone to Freedom Scientific, and we used the money to start Bookshare. And now Bookshare is in that sort of break-even range. Our goal is not to make money, our goal is to do the maximum social good while breaking even so that next year we can keep on you know, introducing new technology, adding more content, reaching more people, and essentially unlocking the power that we think exists in people with disabilities 
and make sure that that you know they have the key to access to information so that they can go on and do what they want in their lives without regard to being held back because of inaccessible content. Well, you guys have done a great job. You're doing a great job, and I'm sure it's going to continue in the future. Uh, <clears throat> I guess uh, kind of winding up uh, for those folks who might have uh, suggestions about things they might like to see you do, maybe additions or changes, whatever, uh, maybe so in, say, the uh, iOS app or something like that, or a question they have, uh, can you give us some contact information? I'm a little nervous of putting my name out there, but I'd love to. So my name is Ginny Grant, and my email address is ginnyg at benetech.org. And that's G-I-N-N-Y-G at benetech.org. And people can also, on many of the Bookshare web pages, there's a essentially a, a form that fills out that knows where you were when you got a question. And you can make you know either suggestions about, I don't understand this page, or there's an error here, or, gee, wouldn't it be great if, you know, rather than what it does today, it did this new thing tomorrow. Because actually, user demand makes a huge impact on what gets prioritized for us. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that iPhones were as big a deal, but starting about two and a half years ago, we had so much demand for, for an iPhone and then later an iPad app that we just prioritized it. And I think we sold you know over 15,000 copies of Read to Go in about a year, which in the assistive technology field, kind of kind of a barn burner. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I'd also like to um, just give an opportunity to say that the support team here is incredible, whether people are having problems with their downloads or just questions about their membership. So you can also reach support at bookshare.org. Well, so of course, you can always send a note to support at um, bookshare.org, but there's also an ideas area um, on the on the website itself. I believe it's on the right-hand area of the, of the screen. Um, and that is a place where you can put in new ideas, give feedback on features that are coming in. There's even a voting mechanism. If you see that there's somebody else has put in an idea and you want to give it another thumbs up, there is that um, ideas option. I highly recommend people using it. I look at that pretty much every day. And that's on basically every page. Every page Basically, yeah, it's like this extra tab on that you can kind of find, and the text on the tab is ideas, ideas question mark. Yeah. Uh, and uh, well, I want to thank Jim. I want to thank you and uh, the other two of you for coming uh, on Main Menu. You've been. Uh, very informative, and it's been really good to hear about all the new things that are going on and all the things that have gone on, and sounds like we've got some exciting times coming up. So, I think hold us to a high standard, and David, thank you very much for being a longtime supporter of all of our work in all of its different forms over the last 20 years. Well, you're welcome, and it's certainly been a pleasure to do that. I'm David Tanner, host of Main Menu. I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, to come by and see us at the Main Menu webpage at www.mainmenu.acbradio.org. And while you're there, sign up for our Main Menu Friends mailing list. We'd love to have you on the list and have you input ideas on how we can continue to improve Main Menu. Also, while you're at it, if you have the opportunity, buy and see us on Twitter. You can access us on Twitter at twitter.com slash main menu.
everybody. This is Mary Emerson, and I'm going to talk to you today about the new APH Bookport desktop, or what's called the BPDT digital player. And I want to apologize for being too close to the microphone. I was wearing the recorder on a lanyard around my neck and didn't realize that the mic was too close. I just got this today, so I don't know a lot about it, although I've been reading the user's guide that I got off APH's website, and I can at least do a bit of orientation and discussing what's in the box and that sort of thing. And I have to admit I'm going to be using the user's guide to help me get through some of this so I don't misguide you. So what I'm going to do is first of all tell you that the machine is a little bit lighter than the NLS talking book player. It's a little bit thicker and it's oriented differently. The buttons are oriented from left to right. The wider part of it goes from left to right. The NLS player, the narrower part of it goes from left to right. Also, the APH player recorder, I guess I should call it that because it does record, does not have labels on the buttons, but it does come with what is called a mask, and the mask covers things like the keypad and some of the other buttons that aren't really used much when you're just starting out with a machine. And I discovered that the easiest thing to do with a mask at least for me, is to just take it off. It's a little bit of a challenge, but you can do it. There are two tabs near the lower left and lower right corners of the machine. You go to the lower left and lower right corners, the corners that are closest to you. Go along the right edge and the left edge, very near the front, and you'll find two tabs. And what you do is you grip those, and I tended to do each side separately. So I took the right side first, pulled up just a little bit, just enough to detach the tab, and then went to the left side and pulled up just enough to detach the tab, and the mask comes off, and it exposes a whole raft of buttons, including the keypad and four or five buttons going down the left side of the machine. Stuff that you wouldn't see if you had the mask on. It also uncovers the speaker grill. Once you've got the mask off, you can go and, and check to be sure that you've got all the stuff in the box. The machine, the AC adapter, which is all one piece. It's labeled in Braille with BPDT. Also in the box is a plastic bag containing the CD-ROM and two sets of print instructions. One of them is the quick start guide and the other one is the safety instructions. They're both in print, but you can go out to the APH website and get these if you want to read them. The quick start guide is actually part of the manual and the manual is included on the CD. Apparently, I couldn't find it. Maybe I wasn't looking in the right place. But you can go out to the APH website and get it, which is how I got mine. It's built into the machine itself. I haven't tried that yet. And in addition to all of this, you get a really, really nice carrying case. This is a very nice, I'm reaching for it, carrying case, which is 
cushioned. It has a handle attached to it, and everything opens with Velcro. If you have the case closed, you'll notice that if you look on the top surface, there is a pocket, and it opens up. And right now, there's nothing inside of it. And then I'm going to close it back up, and then I'm going to open this case up. And when you first get it, it includes a little pouch inside of it that has a shoulder strap. And you can keep the pouch maybe to put the AC adapter in or keep the shoulder strap in it if you don't want to attach it. It does come with a handle on the front of the carrying case, but there's no handle on the machine itself. And the right side opens up with Velcro, as does the left side, so that you can easily put the machine inside of the case without having to struggle. You can just set it in there. All of the openings in the case line up so that you can actually use the machine while it's in the case. At this point, I started to talk about the layout and the orientation of the machine itself. In the very front, there's an opening and the case serves as the underside of the opening. If you don't have the machine in the case, then you would have to just sort of slide an NLS cartridge in by putting the machine on a table or on another surface and then just sliding it in because the bottom side of the machine is wide open on the front so that you can get the cartridge into it. But if you keep the machine in the case, the case sort of cushions the cartridge and guides it on its way into the device. One thing I should mention here is that the USB connection that is used for the NLS cartridge is not intended to be used to hook this device up directly to a PC. You can use this connection for an NLS cartridge or some type of thumb drive and I tried by mistake to hook the device up to my PC and Windows 7 didn't know what to do with it. Going up from front to back on the left edge we have a card slot for an SD card. Next to that is a headphone jack which is kind of indented and above that is a microphone jack. On the rear edge we have the Ethernet port on the left and the AC adapter to its right. And then going down the right side, there isn't really much to speak of. Okay, now we're going to talk about the buttons. And we'll start on the right side. First of all, at the very, very top, we have the speaker grill. And this extends about halfway down the device. And then we have a little round button, it's a sleep button. Below that is a circle, which is a little indented, and that is the power button. And below that is record button. It's a little indented also, but not as much as the power button is. And going across the front from the left side, we're not going to look at the very first button. It's sort of a triangular one, because that is going to be discussed in a minute. But to the right of that, we have two arrow buttons with a big button between them. The first arrow button is oval-shaped, and it points to the left. 
and the right side of that is flat, so you know that this would be a rewind button. These are all rubber buttons, by the way. To the right of that is a square button, and that's the play button. To the right of that is another oval-shaped button, but this time it points to the right and the flat sides on the left. And that is the fast-forward button. To the right of that are two buttons together. One of them is previous title that's on the left, and to the right of that previous title is next title. And the pointers on this pair of buttons is a little bit more pointed, so you can distinguish them from the previous and next buttons. Above that, we've got the keypad, and there's a dot on number five. Going down the left side, we have four buttons, and starting from top to bottom, they are menu, title, go to, and bookmark. Just to the right of the number six, there is the info key. It looks like a slash. And above the keypad, we have three sets of two buttons, one above the other in each set. The first one is the tone, and they are up and down buttons. The next is volume, and the third is speed. I haven't turned this machine on, although I have charged the battery up just a bit. And so I'm going to turn this on with the power key, and it's going to take a little while to boot up, so we'll just see how it works here. Here goes, I'm going to turn it on. Please wait. At this point, it took about 20 seconds to boot up. Okay, I guess that means it's on. And I... Oh, okay. I don't know if that means it's waiting Internal for me. Internal memory, Daisy title. History in the making. The story of the American Printing House for the Blind, 1858 to 2008. Publication date, December 11th, 2009. The manual says that it doesn't take quite as long to power on after the first time you boot it up. This is just enough to give you an idea of what this thing is like. There's a lot to learn here. I have a long way to go. But I really like the machine very much. I like the size. I like the case. I like a lot of the adjustments. I wish I could adjust more things. It might be coming in the future. And I'm going to close out with the power off sound. Thank you for listening. For Main Menu, this is Mary Emerson. Power off. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week, and we'll see you soon.